welcome, 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 welcome to the Andy Social Podcast. My name is Andy Dowling, and this week's shout out, if you are new to the podcast, each and every week I thank somebody who helps me, you know, gives me something to fuel my fire, keeps me motivated, inspired, helps me in a range of different ways. And it doesn't even have to be the Andy Social Podcast. It could be for Self Starter, it could be for Lord, it could be for anything that I'm involved with. It all helps. Um, when I'm happy, <laughs> I do better things. And it's just really cool that um, people do like nice little gestures to keep me um, going. So it could be a range of different things. It could be just really positive messages of encouragement. Even some constructive feedback is really, really important as well. It could be guest recommendations. It could be buying some merch via you know, either the Andy Social or Lord uh, online stores. It could be um, shouting me a beer via the PayPal button on my uh, Andy Social website. Um, a bit of social media love, sharing it around, recommending the podcast or the, or the music to, to a friend or a you know, family member or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. It all helps. Small, big, it it just all adds up and it just, it keeps me going. It just means a hell of a lot to me. So this week's shout out, I pick one each week. This week's shout out is for Taylor Sharplin, who is from Bruce in the ACT, which is a suburb of Canberra. And I must say, I am such a fan of the suburb Bruce. Not so much of the actual suburb, but that name and the first time I ever went to Canberra, and I remember you drive, for anyone that's never been to Canberra, as you're driving in, um, I guess coming from the, the, I guess you're coming south in, well, from the, from the north, I think. Anyway, I, I don't know, I've lost my sense of direction already. But when you're coming into the main drag of uh, Canberra, you'll have signs that go off to the left and the right to uh, to the suburbs. And there's always a sign there that says Bruce and, you know, with an arrow pointing right. And the first time I ever saw that, that sign, I just thought, what an awesome name for a suburb, Bruce. <laughs> so I don't know. I always laugh. Every time I go to Canberra, I love Canberra. Um, and when I see that sign, I just crack up. I just think it's it, it, it's such a dumb name for a suburb. Like, you know, what should we call the suburb? Oh, let's just call Bruce. Like, I wonder if there's a suburb out there called Daryl. I don't know. Maybe there's a bit of logic behind it. Maybe there's a really cool story. I probably should look that up as to why the suburb is called Bruce in the first place. But um, I crack up. It's so cool. And um, I just love it. I, I hope there's more. I, actually, I, I'm pretty sure there's a few other suburbs in um, in Canberra that just have first names like that. I'm pretty sure there's Philip. There's a Philip in Canberra as well. Anyway, sorry. I'm getting sidetracked. I just There's something about that suburb name. Um, but anyway, Taylor has bought a patch from me. So thank you so much, Taylor, for buying a patch. Um, as I've said on some of the previous shout outs, uh, for, you know, the people that have bought patches, take a photo, please. I'd love to see, um, where you're representing this patch. If it's on a, on a jacket, on, on a vest, or if it's on a bag or wherever. I mean, I'd love to see where people sew their patches onto because, um, I think especially a lot of us metalheads, we love, um, you know, battle jackets, our, our denim vests, but, um, there's probably so many other really cool places that you could put these patches that I just don't think about. And I'd love to give people more suggestions. So people buy more patches because I think when I'm only explaining it one way, then, you know, people only think about it from one, one angle as well. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Thank you so much, Taylor. I really appreciate uh, the support, buying a patch. I'd love to see a photo. And please, when you listen to this, shoot me a message and I've got some goodies that I'll send out to you in the post because we all love getting something in the mail. So thank you so much, Taylor. And thank you to everybody that continues to support me in all those different ways. Really appreciate it. 
Folks, I play bass in the Australian metal band Lord. You probably know already, but just in case you didn't, you can go over to lord.net.au. If you love a bit of old school heavy metal, it's a fantastic website. We've got streaming music, we've got merchandise, we've got our entire back catalogue, we've got video clips, we've got all historical information to learn about every silly little thing about this band. It is a great website. It's one of the best band websites on the internet. I keep gloating about it, but I think it is. I dare you to find a better BAM website out there. There probably is, but it's a pretty damn good website all the same. So go and check that out, lord.net.au. If you're curious and want a sticky beak, it's a great way to get a taste of what we're all about. In addition to playing in a heavy metal band, I also host the Self Starter Podcast, which is all about small business, self-employment, and freelancing. So depending on what you want out of life, you want to earn a bit of extra coin on the side, or you've got your own business, you're a small business owner, or you're about to launch one, or you just hate your job and you want to get the hell out and do something with a bit more meaning in your life, go to selfstarter.com.au, go and check it out. I've been highlighting business owners and people that have been earning, um, you know, doing some side hustles and all sorts of stuff. Um, Self starter.com.au. There's a fortnightly podcast that goes out. There's a blog there, heaps of resources. Um, if you know anybody that might get value out of this, please direct them there. And as always, please check your podcast player for self-starter as well. If you can't find it, please let me know. Lord.net, ugh, lord.net.au. Spit it out, Andy. Lord.net.au. Selfstarter.com.au. And thank you very much for the support. This episode is with Doug Dalton. Now, I've had Doug on my list to have on the podcast for quite a while, but some of you may not know that Doug is one of the more requested guests that I've had for the podcast. And, um, you know, maybe not surprised, but I was a little bit because every time I put the call out uh, for suggestions and, you know, I get all sorts of random people, some are quite lofty and unrealistic. And I go, oh yeah, how the hell am I going to get, I don't know, Hugh Jackman on the podcast? But, you know, I get Doug Dalton over and over and over again. And I've had him on my list for quite a while. And, you know, I, I was going to get there eventually, but, um, I reached out to Doug and, and Doug's being keen to jump on board and we've had this great chat. And, um, so I'm happy to, to fulfill some of these requests from you guys. But for anybody that doesn't know Doug, Doug is the front man and founder of the Sydney, uh, thrash and death metal band Killraiser. They've been around for quite some time. Um, great band. They've done some amazing shows over the years and supported some really, really cool bands. And also, Doug is the um, man behind Hardline Media, which is a touring and merchandise company. And I was I was doing a little bit of uh, snooping around online before I caught up with Doug, and I was just having a look at the tours that uh, and the bands that he's brought out over the years. And each and every year, he's just ramped it up. He's kicked it up a notch, and he's had more and more bands come out. And he's just done so many great things for Australian metal, uh, you know, by bringing out bands that people would never expect to see in Australia, but also by supplying these great services to bands by printing merchandise, all these different, um, you know, T-shirts, stubby holders, patches, pins, all sorts of stuff that he does. And um, he just does a lot of great things for Australian bands. And and being in a band himself, obviously, he's got the perspective and he's been around the block for so many years. He's played in so many bands. Um, just a really, really cool guy and he's do- doing great things. So all the links, as always, will be in the show notes over at andysocial.net. Um, you can check out Killraiser by going to killraiser.com or you can go to hardlinemedia.net. Um, but everything we discuss will be in the show notes. All the upcoming tour um, details, if you want to buy tickets to any of the upcoming shows, will be over in the show notes as well. Um, but, you know, as always, enough rambling from me. Pipe it down, Andy. Please enjoy this episode with Doug Dalton of Killraiser and Hardline Media. What on earth is happening with Killraiser at the moment? 
Oh, it's a never-ending question. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, like we're all going gung. It was going gung ho about four or five years ago. We pretty much finished the album. Everything was going ahead. We just always had a revolving door of drummers, you might say. Mm. We were all still good friends. If like you know, Graham Good, Luke Cook, um, and Josh was our last drummer. Um, and it just yeah, it just kind of stalled when he left in 2015, I think. Um, yeah, we just all got a bit disheartened and not knowing what to do, trying to find another drummer. And then, you know, uh, Jimmy left to join Darker Half and it was just like me and Zoran. It was like, we just ended up calling Mick, who was our original drummer like 12 years ago. Um, he was from like, we all quit Dark Order to form Cool Razor like 12 years ago. So yeah. he was, he was the original drummer. He hadn't played since then. Um, but he went out, bought a kit started practicing and now he's now he's back up to speed and yeah we've done a few gigs over the last month um literally finishing off the final intro piece to the album this weekend um yeah then hopefully you know artwork's pretty much done it's been done for a while um it'll be out uh, hopefully mid to late september nice so not far and uh yeah we're still looking for another guitarist we've had andrew lily filling in for a while um but yes, it's been cool because the last few gigs we have done it has been the original lineup, which is me and Zoran, Mick on drums, and Andrew Lilly was our first ever guitarist. So it, it was kind of cool, you know, restarting with the original lineup. But um, yeah, so call out for any guitarists out there <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking for a gig. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, in that sense, and I know it's only, only sort of a temporary thing, but it's kind of come full circle in a way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, with, with everything, like even like. Um, when we first started, we, we had to write a set really quickly, sort of, you know, and, um, and because of the revolving door of lineup members, we never had much new material coming along. So it was always teaching the next person the set kind of thing. Mm. But um, it's been refreshing this last year that we're actually writing as a band. We've got like four or five new songs. We, it's, it's, it's coming along how we always planned it to. It just took its time. That's all. Well, I was going to say, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys have, you did an EP, Yonks ago. Yeah. And you did the single, which was, uh, yep. I think even that's about four years ago now as well. Yeah. Getting, getting close to. Um, yeah. So, and, and that's been about it as far as like, you know, putting actual releases out there. I mean, I know you guys have been doing a lot of live stuff over the years, but I mean, that's, that's pretty, yep. pretty much been it, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, the single was a prelude to the album that was meant to come out. We yeah. did the coroner tour and we released the single to have on the, the tour with coroner. And then um, the album was meant to come out, but yeah, Josh had to leave. The drummer at the time um and it just sort of yeah it just, it just kind of halted again it's like fuck you know what, what do we do so that that's yeah then we all kind of yeah we're just disheartened and went our own separate ways doing other stuff you know like we've all got different projects and stuff like that and um you know and we thought well if we're going to get it back together and do it properly let's just not half-ass it and just get someone to fill in and like you know let's really put some effort into it so when we are ready it's back and it's serious and it's proper the album's done let's move forward you know, get some proper gigs going, get some tours happening and just, you know, some proper product and be a proper band, not not a band that's known, that's not putting anything out, you know what I mean? So, Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's one of those, Killraise is one of those bands that it the name's been everywhere and, yeah. and it pops up in conversation and you guys do get up and, and play play shows here and there. And it almost, I mean, it wasn't until I started sort of, you know, doing a bit of snooping around and writing some notes out, I thought, 
Oh, really? Is that it? Like, because yeah, I, they haven't I, got anything. <laughs> yeah, because I, I just, yeah. I mean, there's just an assumption, and maybe you guys have just done a really good job over the years of, I mean, maybe whether it's intentional <laughs> or, not, or not, but there's this yeah. perception that um, you guys are just always visible. And, and I, I think a lot of people assume that off the back of that, it's just a natural thing that bands have got yeah. a number of releases out in that period of time as well. So I think, yep. um, you know, from you know, from the outside, um, it's probably all fine. And, um, and everyone will just be looking forward to when the new album comes out and all the, all the heartache well, and the pains that you guys have been going through, then no one else is the wiser. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, and, and it'll, because this album will come out, as I said, next couple of months. And then yeah. um, we've, next year, we're, we're going to be ready to do another album already. Great. So it's going to be like, geez, these guys are prolific, aren't they? They've got two albums out in two years. It's like, well, <laughs> the actual fact is <laughs> just a few years old, but um yeah, so it's, it's um, the, the good thing is is that the, the songs that we that we've written that were for this album, I mean, geez, one of the songs I wrote in nineteen ninety two, you know, <laughs> be, before I was even in grunge and like you know, and it's 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 the single "Salt in the Wound." It's 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 eighteen years old, you know, wow. and then some of the stuff we've written when we first got together and the new stuff we've written now, it's it's all kind of the same. There's no like which. It's kind of cool that it's not like, oh, that's obvious. That's written when you were nineteen or something, and that's just new and that's got that influences. It's it's good that everything is actually has its own curator sound, which is good, which I'm, we're happy with. Like the stuff we're doing now with me, Mick, and Zoran, it's just like all that other stuff. It's just in your face, angry. Um, I hate saying the word brutal, you know. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> well, I, I'll let it say, words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like brutal, you know. But it's like it's it's angry. Yeah. You know? You listen to it and you go, "Fuck! What's what are you what are you pissed off about?" You know, it's it's, it's that's what we like to purvey. Is you know, I mean, I always say, you know, everyone has their favorite Slayer song, and it's usually off Rain and Blood. But to me, it's Disciple. God hates us all. You listen to that song, oh yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. it's angry. It's you know, it's, it's not blast beaty. It's not heavy in that way. It's just anger, like to a T, <laughs> you know. And that's that's what we like to purvey. You know, it's cool. And I think, I mean, even. You said before, like having stuff that's been sitting around for so long. I mean, that's what, probably one of the one of the benefits of metal versus other genres, where you know it, we can we can always go back and pick things up from the past, and it's still yeah. relevant now. It's still fresh, and people love it. And a yeah. lot of people sit in those earlier eras of of metal and those classic bands, and it's not dated. It's not something that's get gets sort of forgotten about in time. It's something that's just continuously sort of gone, like people just go back to it all the time. So, yeah, you, know, you can yeah. sit on stuff for for a couple of, or for a few decades. And, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and, um, and it's still good to go. And, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's so cool that, um, you know, you know, regardless of all the things that happen and the dramas and people coming and going and all this kind of stuff that, you know, the asset is in the song and yeah. you can sit there and it can just, it can wait and in time it, it can be uh, unleashed to everybody else. And I mean, obviously that song's already out, but um, just having yeah. the rest of that material there ready to go is, is pretty cool. Yeah, no, exactly. So we're, we're, we're pumped to just get, get the lineup going and then, um, you know, dust all the cobwebs off this, this all these songs we've had for so long and just get the new ones out there. So the, 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 the new song's reaction's been pretty well because it's very rare that, You've seen any curator at any time, and we've gone. This is a new song. Yeah, that's that hasn't happened for a long time. So <laughs> it's, um, it's good to actually play some new stuff. You know, so that's good. And and I guess like the, the really cool thing about this album that's going to come out is because people have been hearing the stuff live for a while, that you'll yeah. probably get a really quick buy-in from a lot of like your inner core, those people that have just been following you guys and and loyal for that period of time. Where you know, yep. like you know, for any of us, when we buy a new album from a band that we like, 
you know, we still got to get used to the songs. We still got to yeah, get, you don't know the songs at all, yeah. But yeah, at least with that, these ones, they've, yeah. they've they've had they've had some road time, you know. They've they've been out there. People people know the songs and they're familiar to a degree. And then it just makes it a quicker quicker buy. in so I think the you should oh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, Jeez, this, this this could go bold. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. It's like um, the majority of our fans do know the songs. So yeah, you you are right. It'll be a finally I get to hear this song properly recorded. You well, know? That, that's it. That's yeah. it. And and there's heaps of bands. I mean, you you know this for sure. Like over the years, so many awesome bands that you know we've all seen live, and they just never got their shit together and recorded anything. Like not even a demo yeah. or anything of the such. And then they just disappear. And then there's nothing left. There's no record. And yeah, nobody yeah. can go back and enjoy this music. You have to physically be there in the room and then try and remember it. And yeah, exactly. And that's it. And so be able to you know translate these songs in a recorded format that people can listen to whenever they want and listening to it the proper way, you know, yeah, is, yeah. Um, is, yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, that's no, good. And because, um, what did I say there? Like, um, and that, that, that's like with, with your favourite bands. Like sometimes, you know, Australian tours start with an overseas band and then they, they get here before the album's released. Like I'm pretty sure when Anthrax came out on Persistence of Time, the album wasn't out here yet. Yeah, right. Pretty sure. And you go, you go to see them, you hear, as I said, you hear that song once. And then the album comes out a month later, but you remembered that song that you heard a month ago, drunk at a, at a venue. And you go, like that's that's a good song, you know, like yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a it's a great ploy. And I know a lot of bands have have done that over the years, where they'll they'll go out on a quick run and preview some songs before you know the upcoming release. It's a bit of early promo for the band, but you know, I mean, yeah. it's a it's a great way. I don't know if there's some sort of psychological sort of, you know, advantage here, but, you know, if, if I'm listening to something and I can recall a particular section or a riff or, you know, yeah, a, yeah, a chorus yeah. or something like that, then my buy-in for that album is like tenfold what it would have been if I had nothing to reference it off. Oh, and, totally. And, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, you've got, a, you've got a full album worth of stuff <laughs> that people yeah, can, exactly. can, can latch onto straight away, which is really cool. Yeah, no, good. I, that's yeah, good point. I thought of that, but yeah, thank you. And, <laughs> and it must be—I mean, it must be refreshing for you guys to be able to get to this point now. And I mean, I don't know. Has there been a lot of sort of stress on yourself or you know some of the other guys over the last few years of this music just sitting there and, and yes. everything sort of this—I you know, don't know—this brick wall for a while where you just can't quite get yeah. past it. Nah, a lot of stress because. You can only play the same songs over and over and over at rehearsal, but you know, there's always someone new you've got to teach them to it and get, and our songs aren't easy. Mm. So you've, you've got to rehearse them for months to get them tight. And then it's like, ah, then someone else is in the band, there's someone else, then you've got to re-rehearse, re-rehearse, re-rehearse. And, you know, but it, it does make it that fresher, a bit more fresh each time there is someone new because it's, you know, it's a different feel and everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, the stresses, I mean, Zoran's toured overseas in a couple of bands. Like, he went to Japan with Hobbs Angel of Death. Mm. He's been to Europe with Assaulta. Um, I did all the Paul Diano, Blaze Bailey, Ripper Island stuff. You know, Jimmy was in, joined Darker Half, and he toured Europe a couple of times. And so we're all doing stuff. But, yeah, Killraiser was just sitting there doing nothing because we still had to do things, you know. And that, that was the frustrating thing because whatever, whatever we were doing, people would be going, so what's happening with Killraiser? It's like that question <laughs> we got sick of being asked but now we actually have an answer you know um so yeah it was very very frustrating and just it's yeah i mean if, if we'd only been together for a year or something we probably would have gone oh you know screw this let's just go off and do what we want but because we put so much time and effort into it and not actually had any official kind of product out we couldn't just let it go you know so 
Yeah, oh, it just becomes yeah. one of those bands, as I said before, you know, as an example, you know, bands that we've we've all seen play and have all this potential and, and a fantastic live and there's great memories, but the memories fade as the years go on because there's nothing left yeah. left behind apart from maybe if you're lucky, there might be a faded T shirt lying in someone's cupboard. But Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah. There's there's nothing to listen to and, and um absolutely I think, you know, finally being able to to capture a lot of this stuff um will will certainly probably close one particular door for you guys a bit of closure but also then open oh, up yeah. uh, open up that next that next chapter yeah very very long door it's <laughs> a long door or deep door or something but yeah um it's the it's the first i mean and the, the good thing is the album's going to be called the burial begins so oh there you go i like that you know and even that the first song we wrote together is called decade of blood just like fuck, you know. <laughs> okay, it's been ten years, you know. So it's it's all it's all tying in well. That's cool. And I mean, you mentioned before, you know, everyone went off in that period of time in the in these sort of dips where everyone got busy and just did other things, involved in other projects and and other bands yep. and touring and and all of this. And do you think that if you guys didn't have any of that and you guys were just focusing, like? I'm just trying to think of other examples of other people that we both probably know where the band sort of sits there dormant and everyone just goes back to their usual nine to five mundane job. Do you think that mm. if, you, if you guys didn't have all this extra sort of creative stuff that you're involved with that, um, you know, it would have been a lot tougher over that period of time or it would have seemed even longer? Um, I mean, it's a two-way street, I guess, kind of thing. I mean, if we would have been putting 100% in every day just trying to get it together – it, it might have gotten together, but it just, you know, it, it, as you know, playing in bands and especially in this kind of stuff, like the hardest thing to find is a drummer. Mm, that is the yep. hardest, you know, <laughs> it, they're very hard to find. And um, so if it was a guitarist or, or, or bass player or singer, it'd be like, you know, you can keep going and trying, you know, trying people. Drummers are just like, you know, if you're a good drummer, you're taken. Yep. You know, you, you, you're in a band and you're taken. That's That's kind of it, you know. So... I think we we all knew that it's like, well, it, it could take a year to find a good drummer, you know, or two years. Let's just do our own thing, you know, because if anything, it's it's just going to expose our band more as well, you know. I mean, when Zoran's off playing Japan and stuff, he's wearing a Kill Razor shirt on stage. It's like, oh, cool, you know. So it, it's, yeah, it's um it's, maybe if we did not do anything else and just concentrate on what we, you know, getting the line up and getting the album out, it, it could have worked, we, but we might've been sitting there for two or three years, just, you know, killing ourselves and then maybe getting the shits for not doing other things. So yeah, you know, I, who's, who's to say? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I think probably, I mean, also, I don't know, maybe I'm, I use this, this term all the time, but maybe I'm a glass half full kind of guy because I just, yeah, yeah. I, I see like all the stuff that you've been doing personally, what Zoran's been doing, uh, Jimmy, all these guys over the years. I mean, no doubt, Whenever that moment came back where you you all came back together, you've all come back with just a little bit more than what you had beforehand. I mean, you know, people are getting more road experience. I mean, I know that you guys have been around the traps for quite a few years, but you're consistently just getting new exposure to different things. I mean, you've changed the dynamic big time with getting into all this tour promotion, bringing people Mm. out, um, getting heavy into the sort of the merchandise aspect as well. Yeah. And so every time you guys would get back together, it's just, I don't know, maybe just one little extra piece to the puzzle that you didn't have beforehand. Oh, um, totally, yeah. totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And, um, you know, if I go off and do, like say we haven't done anything for three years, within that three years, Zoran might have done 70 gigs with the one Electric and 10 with Hobbs Angel of Death and 
20 with a salter and I've probably done 50 gigs and other things and say, so, yeah, when you, when you come back, you, you're not rusty either, you know, which is a good, you've got your chops up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. So it's, it's, it's yeah. quicker to, to pick up where you left off instead of, you know, having no playing experience for, for several years or, or months yeah. or whatever. And then just like these, like I'm, I'm reading these, um, D Snyder's book at the moment and he oh, says, yeah, yeah. One, of, one of his quotes is, um, I'll probably get it wrong, but it's, um, preparation plus opportunity equals not success but it's like you know he was going on about in the early 70s you know he, he wasn't in a band for a year but he joined a band that he couldn't give a shit about just so he could keep his chops up so when the call came from a band that he liked he was you know had his chops up it's like you can't play in a football team or something and take a year off you've got to keep fit you can't just take a year off then go play again you got to you know so um it's, i guess it's true yeah if, if, it's yeah. absolutely true uh, the, i mean I, I think i know the quote, and I won't be able to get it right, but it's it's similar. To what <laughs> it's similar to what people yeah. say about luck, and people go, "Oh, you're lucky." And luck comes from that preparation and yeah. working hard, so that when you can see the opportunities, or you're considered for opportunities, and then you get lucky with the opportunity. But you you don't get yeah. that opportunity unless you put the hard work in first, and you're getting out there and doing different things. So, and regardless yeah, exactly. of whether it's the direct thing or an indirect thing, it's just it all, it's a sum of of everything that you do. Yeah, yeah, and and also, you know, that dreaded word. It's also networking. You know, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, you might be playing with someone else, and that band guy goes on to someone else, and then all of a sudden you got your thing going again, and all of a sudden this guy's in another band, and then you might be. You know, it's, it's all, you know, yeah. You, you don't sit there and wait for things to come to you. You got to get out there and get them, whether it's, you know, with what your main goal is, or you know, pilfering off and doing side things as well. Just as long as you know you're going out and getting it. You know, I'm sick. I'm sick of you know, in music and business, just people go. You know, it's going to come to me. It's like it's, you know, it does happen to some people, and you know, but you've got to go get it yourself. Well, you've got to it, work. You know, yeah, def- oh, that's right. You know, the simple concepts. You know, but people fail to to remember. You know, what actually is involved to to get anything in life. But you know, you got those people that expect everything. But those same people mm. are the ones that sit back and criticise everybody else, yeah, and, totally, <laughs> and whinge that there's nothing, you know, nothing positive that's going on, or you know, everything that's wrong in the world, and you just think, man, like, you know, there's so much in your control that you're just not doing anything about, and you're focusing on everything else, um, which is just, you know, counterproductive. So it's, um, yes, yeah. I mean. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of musicians in general. I think it's it's changing now with the internet, and I think more people are understanding that you've got a. I think mm. people are more exposed, and so I think people have got to got to really sort of put in the hard yards now, and it, and it shows, and everyone can see that. But yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, there's definitely definitely a stereotype that's still around with with certain musicians where they sit back and go, well, why isn't it happening to me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And that's it. Like you, you know, a lot of the biggest bands aren't the best musicians. Mm. They're people that went out and, and got it, and you know, it, oh, yeah. I'm sitting on the random. There's a bird fight going on. That's rock and roll. There we go. There's one there. <laughs> That's right. Just adds to the to the vibe of the conversation. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like um, there's like uh, there's this guy that like um, my wife went to school with. What's his name? Um, Nick Mabry. He's a perfect example. Just a guy who plays guitar. He's not a virtuoso. You know, just plays rock guitar. Thought, mm-hmm. screw this. Got to move to LA. Met a couple of people, then all of a sudden he's, you know, um, looking after Perry Farrell's house, and then then he's doing something else. Then he's playing with Slash. Next, what he's jamming with Prince. Then he's in the band with the um, the brothers from oh, Good Charlotte. What are they called? The, the Madden Brothers. Oh yeah. And then he was, you know, playing for um, 
Oh, I think it's Stone Temple Pilot. What's his name? Oh, yeah. I know, uh, I know the who guy, you're talking to. Uh, talking about, yeah. Um... It was his guitarist. And um, it was on the tour bus when he died. Scott Wheeland. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And um, now he plays for Juliet Lewis. No one in Australia kind of knows who he is. Yeah. He's, he's a guy from the Northern Beaches in Sydney. And he's touring the world with these bands. He's not a virtuoso. It's because he went over there. And he's reliable. And he just got his name around, you know? That's it. Put the hard yards in and made himself, yeah, totally. made himself available. And that's, that's yep. half the battle. And yeah, totally. And I think many people sort of sit back and just, well, they, they wait for the things to come, but there's also, I mean, maybe, maybe we're suckers here in Australia because we've got that tall poppy syndrome as well. So mm. for anybody that shows even just a little bit of ambition um, and, and tries to sort of make something of themselves, then there's always several people around that cut them back down the size and go, come on, mate, oh, yeah. don't get a big head yeah. now. <laughs> totally. I mean, another one was like Aston and Jamie. Yeah. You know, we all know Jamie. He packed his guitar and moved to Norway and joined Debubal Gear, for God's sake. You know, and he copped, I, I remember, like he copped flack for it. It's like, why? <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. It's just, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, you but, know, it's like... But then that's that's a reflection of the people that are hanging shit on him or people like that where, you know, yeah. it's just a reflection of, you know, their own frustrations or their own insecurities that, you know, they have to they have to react in that sort of way. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, that whole feeling of, well, it's unfair that I'm at home and I'm not doing these things and I'm not in Norway or I'm not in the US and I'm not doing all this great stuff. So yeah. anybody else that's doing amazing things, well, you know, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, and it shits me because my, my, my living is like, you know, it was being a roadie for years, like for, you know, Beyonce and Pink and all that stuff. And I'd see how hard they'd work. And then with bringing out bands that I tour and that I do now, and you, you see their work ethic. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing's handed to any of these bands I've ever worked with. They work their asses off, you know. And, yeah, everyone just gives them thumbs up because they've just worked. They deserve it, you know. Well, there's a re I mean, people will say, you know, they've got some of these guys have got not so much the probably the metal bands, but, you know, a lot of these big pop artists will say, well, they've got all the backings of the big labels and things like that. But in the end, you still got to, you still got to put the effort in to be able to pull off the things that they're doing. And it's not something yeah. that you can just waltz in and it's just all there. It, it, it does involve people yeah, yeah. and it involves, you know, a, a high level of skill and effort to be able to present themselves and promote themselves and perform in, in those particular ways. And I think people just sort of lose sight of, of those sort of things and that appreciation and just giving credit where it's due. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I'm not a, the, uh, it's not metal, it's shit kind of person. It's like, if you, as you just said, you got to give credit where credit is due, regardless of what music it is or art or, you know, I was talking to, who was it? I think it was fourth Utopia or something the other day. And you, you get this elitism within metal, you know, it's like, oh, you oh, like yeah. black metal, you're a wanker, I only like glam metal, or you, I only like Norwegian black metal, or I only like thrash metal. <laughs> he said it's like walking into someone's house and you're riding to, say, the Larry David show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, yep, yep. And that, but they've got the Seinfeld box set. You don't sit there and go, oh, you're a fucking idiot because you've got the Seinfeld box set. You know, it's... <laughs> it's all it's all great and well It's done. all good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, I'm not talking to you because you like, you know, everyone loves Raymond. You pansy, like, you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's funny because you know, if you talk to, if you talk to your average metalhead, and I think I think it is, it's all changing anyway. Because I think you know, I think everyone's more exposed. We're not in our little little pockets. Bubble of, anymore. Of, you know, yeah. That's it. That's it. We we're mingling a lot more with lots of different people. So I think I think it's it is changing. But you know. 
your stereotypical metalhead will always talk about the things like going against the grain, you know, um, mm. you know, we, we don't, we don't hang out with posers and, you know, we're, we're anti-establishment and all this sort of stuff. It's even borderline punk. And, yeah. but yet they'll hang shit on all the people that are also fans of metal and believe that same sort of code of ethics, even though they like a different subgenre of metal. And, oh, so, and, like, then, um, and suddenly yeah. they become, you know, the people that they hate. And it's just, it's just, I mean, it's more of a human thing rather than it being like this metal thing. I think just people like their little tribe and, yeah. uh, and where they feel comfortable. And, and there's a bit of an adrenaline rush when you, when you get to hang shit on someone or jump on the bandwagon with a few other people and yeah, start taking, exactly. taking the piss. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, ironically it makes you feel part of it being inside a bubble again. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like say Parkway Drive, right? Um, I've worked for them just for a couple of shows. And if you shut your eyes and didn't look at the crowd, it, it could be borderline death metal, you yeah. know, like yeah, a kind of death metal. Okay. You're open your eyes and it's a bunch of short haired guys with white t-shirts jumping up and down. But the, the, it's like when Max Cavalier is talking about when he was growing up in Brazil and before you could actually see these bands in magazines, he had a tape and one side was um, Celtic Frost and the other side was Discharge, you know, two bands that couldn't be polar opposite. Absolutely. If you look at them, you know, if you look at them, they're like, wow, Celtic Frost and Corpse Paint or Discharge, you know. But if you didn't see the picture, it was purely just the music, which is what it's actually meant to be about. Both bands totally ruled and were kind of very similar, you know. I mean, you put an early Discharge record or a Celtic Frost record, they're, they're both, you know, neither of, them, neither of them are crap. They're both really good. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll throw this out here because we're – we're finishing off our album at the moment. I've got no idea when the hell it's coming out, but we're we're sort of finishing off the recording at the moment. And yeah. one thing that our whole angle of this album is going to be around the old school mixtape. And when you used yeah, to dub, right. dub songs and just throw a bit of everything on this tape and you'd play it and your mates or whatever, especially when you're new to metal, like you didn't really know a lot. You didn't know all the subgenres yeah, yeah. and all the elitism that was there. And you could have like, and Tim, Tim sort of thought back into his days as a teenager as well, where you would have like Slayer and Testament and all these bands playing, but then you'd have like Bon Jovi and Dokken and all this oh, other totally. stuff. And, but it was all just, it was all just metal. Like it, it, yeah. there was no like segregation. And yeah, some people might like one song or one band over the other, but there was never sort of any massive divide. It was just metal. And so yeah, yeah, for totally. us, that's going to be our angle for this album is that... That's awesome. <laughs> it's, that's we, awesome. We do a bit of everything anyway, but in the end, like, we just, we don't give a shit. Like, if we want to put a blast beat in there, then that's fine. If we want to put some sort of massive melodic chorus and harmonies and all this yeah, stuff, yeah, then we'll yeah. do that. In the end, it's just metal, and we can't even... We, we're beyond pigeonholing ourselves or going, well, what sort of album are we going to write? We're just going to write a metal album, and that's it. And just take the that's pressure awesome, off I everybody, do. even the listener, so they don't have to worry about... What is it? It's just it's just a metal album. That's it. So yeah, 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 yeah definitely. So it's I mean it's something that I think hopefully people will understand and, and gravitate towards, and hopefully it's a little bit refreshing because um, I think it gets to a point where it just gets so ridiculous with these genres, and and the genres are great. Like it's fantastic, especially if you if you like particular things over another. But when it be, when it causes causes a massive divide and people become a little bit of an elitist about certain things and start hanging shit on others, then it just it's it doesn't help anybody. So it's, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, my, my, I've got a saying I always use is like, mate, it's, it's better than 50 cent, right? It, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 
I know, like, I know that you know they might be singing about chicks in this one, and this one they might be singing about the devil. But either way, it, it's a it's a band playing guitars with distortion, and it's better than Fifty Cent. So just <laughs> that's right. It could always know, be because, worse. Yeah, exactly. And like as as you were saying, like I remember growing up when Rage first came out, it was like the metal section would be like, especially like I think early nineties when you know Metallica and Megadeth and Wake Up Dead and all that those kind of clips were on. It'd be yeah, it might be Wake Up Dead one. You give love a bad name, uh, you know, Dokken, <laughs> and maybe the Angels, and you did record all five. Yeah, that's you know, it. because because it was that's loud guitars, it. loud guitars, yep. and just it was just rock and metal, and it was just it was just it was it, it hadn't even hit a point yet where you could really sort of start talking about all these. I mean, yes, people talk about genres of metal, but not to the extent that it it became sort of into the nineties and then beyond after that. So yeah, yeah. and. I mean, I just remember me just like discovering metal and having no clue, just being completely ignorant and naive to everything and just going, that sounds cool. And then yeah. when I grew up a little bit more and you start sort of trying to find, you know, who the cool kids are to hang out with, and then suddenly you realise that half the songs that you listen to aren't cool. And so then you start questioning <laughs> yourself and go, oh, geez, I, I, met, I better not like that song anymore. And yeah. it's just, it's it's really funny how we, how we react to things like that because... In the end, the song's a song, and especially for a lot of us, you know, if it's if it's got a loud guitar, it's got a great riff and a great chorus, yeah. and it's just got that drive and that it uh, doesn't even have to be aggression, but something that's just got some power behind it um, yeah. is is what it's all about. And I think that's why a lot of us have stuck with it for so many years. Like I remember being in, in high school, like um, I went to high school at a, on the South Coast, you know, me, me and my brother were the only metalheads in the school, and like, you know, Appetite for Destruction came out like two years or something before Sweetchild of Mine came out. Like, you know, they were ready to do the second album and Appetite for Destruction was a bomb, didn't sell. You know, mm. it took off two years later. And um, so we'd be bringing Appetite for Destruction to school and everyone just thought it was shit. Like, the teachers, everyone just thought it was like complete crap. <laughs> two years later, these exact people are wearing bandanas, <laughs> you know, doing the doing the um, axle snake dance and, you know, and we're just – now onto Metallica and same thing, Metallica shit, you know. And two years later, Black Album, and they're all the same people. Into like, it's, <laughs> it's just like, come on, man! It, it came, it became a point, and and I guarantee so many people have done this that you stopped wearing your Metallica shirt because you thought you didn't want to be part of thought of these these people that are just into it because it's trendy, you know. It's like, no, I actually like. I was into them since Killer Ball, you know. Kind of shit. Oh yeah, man. And I, I mean, I've been on the other side of that where. I remember seeing, uh, I think I've told this story a million times before, but I saw Pantera on the last tour um, in yeah, right. or whatever up in Brisbane. And I was barely 18, but I had like a, it must have been the 98 or whatever Metallica tour t-shirt. So it was like for the like the reload tour or whatever. So poor retouring me tour t-shirt. Yep. And I remember, because Corrosion of Conformity was supporting, and I was so excited to see them. I never thought they'd ever come to this country. So when they yeah. saw them as the support, I just freaked out. Anyway, they rocked up um, for soundcheck in the afternoon, and I got photos with them. And so me, just being naive and not knowing anything, I, I got photos with them, and then I ran around to the door, the gate door where um, where I was going to go into the venue, and there's a bunch of dudes that have been sitting there all day waiting for the doors to open, and they're older guys. And I'm like... Oh, oh, guys, if anyone's interested, Corrosion of Conformity is just around the corner if anyone wants to get some photos. And they <laughs> yeah. go, 
who the fuck's that? That sounds like a shit band. Oh, by the way, why would I listen to anyone that's got a fucking Metallica t-shirt on? And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, man. And I was like, oh, no worries, man, no worries. And then I just sort of sat down and went, oh. <laughs> yeah. But it was yeah. just that kind of stuff, you know. It was just, it's funny how how we change our opinions of things or how we have to put up a, a front about what's what's cool and what's not, you know. Yeah, like just, I remember... Uh, um. Oh, kind of a similar story, but in reverse. Um, I got to interview Dave Vincent on the Domination oh, yeah. tool. My, my brother's girlfriend was working at Beat Magazine or something. So, do you want to go watch Morbid Angel and interview Dave Vincent? Yes. <laughs> you know, so we go there. We interview Dave Vincent at the Metro, and he's like, "What are you guys doing now?" I was like, "Nothing." He's like, "Well, come meet me at the Cross. We're staying at the hotel there, and we'll go for some beers." I'm like, "You serious?" You know, I'm oh, 19. Awesome. Going, yeah. So, <laughs> rock up. We're in his hotel room. You know, rock in there. There he is, just after a shower with a towel on. It's like, oh, Dave. You know. Um. But anyway, so we <laughs> <laughs> so we go downstairs. We're walking down the Cross, right? And Dave Vincent's wearing a pair of shorts, a purple like surfy tie-dyed kind of shirt. <laughs> With his hair tied back and a pair of like Crocs, <laughs> you know, stylish. I love it. Stylish. You know? We're walking down the street, and towards us is just a throng of studs and leather and sweat. You know, all wearing Morbid Angel shirts. They've obviously just all been to the gig. You know, it's literally probably about ten of them. Yeah. And we're all standing having a cigarette or something. Like, um, Dave Vincent goes, "Fucking Morbid Angel!" And they all looked at him and said, "Fuck off, you poser!" And told him to get fucked. Uh- <laughs> Because they thought he was some guy in a in a surfy kind of sh- shirt, you know, in the cross to see strippers or something. And it's like, dude, you just you just told Dave Vincent to get effed because <laughs> you know all the metalheads say, oh, everyone judges me by by my you know by my cover kind of thing. Well, you just did it to your your idol. <laughs> oh, so so funny. It's oh, like, man. oh man. He, uh, hopefully, yeah, he just, hopefully he thought it was amusing and just laughed. At oh, he, no, he said, he said that all the time. Because oh. yeah, he <laughs> he's not walking around in a lead, red leather cod piece. He's, you know, yeah. he's just... <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably yeah. the really good thing. It's probably a tactic in a way because at least you don't get hassled as much probably after shows if you want to go out for a drink or something. Yeah, He's wearing like, yeah. the complete like opposite of what anyone would expect you to be wearing, you know, if they were yeah, identifying yeah. you as, as that person in the band. Oh, man, that's so, yeah. f- so funny. Just, it, oh, man. <laughs> just, just oh, I've, 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 got, I've, I've got another very quick story of um, mistaken yeah, mis- um, identity, if you like. Yeah. Um, first ever Paul Diano tour we did, which I think you guys supported a couple of shows. Mm. I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah. we're, in, we're in Adelaide and um, we're in the airport and this guy rocks in. He's got like the big sunset strip hair and, you know, the, the sunnies from Chips and stuff like that. And he's just looking off his head he sits down puts his head back and just starts snoring and we're like cracking up just going oh look at this guy he thinks he's from the sunset strip you know <laughs> all of a sudden two guys in suits sit either side of him it's like oh hang on look dawned on us was steve adler from guns and roses <laughs> right because he was, he was how are you doing a, a um a clinic tour yeah yeah so i walked towards him and the, the two security guys are going you know piss off kind of thing i said oh no look we're here with the guy from iron maiden like Cordiano, and Steve Adler stands up and hugs me. I'm Paul. It's great to see you. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not him. But anyway, we, we get on the plane and Steve Adler's sitting in front of me and Paul Diano next to me. Yeah. Over the PA on the plane, the pilot goes, we're really happy to have uh, our musician friends with us on this flight. Hope you have a good one to uh, Adelaide and this kind of stuff. We're like, cool. This is awesome. <laughs> you know? The air stewardess comes up and goes to, Steve, uh, goes to Paul Diano and goes, oh, are you guys in a band? 
and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm in Iron Maiden. She's, he's Guns N' Roses. And the air stewardess looks at them and goes, oh, sorry, we were told someone from Metallica was on the plane and walked off. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> you've never seen two people just go, oh, like the ego just deflate oh, to star. It was – but it was hilarious. Amazing, was hilarious. amazing. Yeah. Oh, Iron Maiden and, and, and Guns N' Roses. Oh, sorry. We Just not thought, good enough. No, sorry. Yeah, we thought yeah. it was Metallica. <laughs> yeah, we thought Lars was on the plane. Sorry. No, yeah, exactly. Not- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not good enough. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, and you know what? Like, I love it because you know, these guys uh, are idols for so many of us, and they've been around the traps, and they've – They've lived these amazing lives, and they've they've played some of the biggest stages in the world, and they've had all the success. Yeah. And even they will have these moments where you know people yeah. just bring them back down. The world, yeah. You know, because for I mean, you and you and me would be the same with you know just getting around the place and and having to talk to somebody, and they're like, oh well, you know, and they size you up, and you oh, you got long hair, and you know you're wearing a band mm. t-shirt or whatever, and then they'll ask those questions, and and then that you know usually the thing for us will be. Oh, so uh, so do you play originals? And it's like, oh, yeah. He, um, yeah. And they're like, oh, all right, no worries. And that's it. They just zone out. Whereas it's, I guess it's a slightly different conversation for some of these other guys, but it's just, it's the same sort of thing where you're just constantly being brought back down to size by, I guess, the general public who, yeah. who, aren't, who yeah. aren't as interested <laughs> in it all as we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I usually get asked, I get asked, so what do you ride, mate? No. What? It's <laughs> because I'm huge. They're like, oh, yeah, what are you riding, mate? I'm like, I don't. I've got a Gibson. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Good bike. I, yeah. Should, I, should, I should look at them and go, I ride the fucking lightning. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that might be taken another another way altogether, depending on who you're yeah. talking to. Far out. Yeah, no. Actually, yeah, you're right there. Yeah, yeah. Be careful. <laughs> um, You have been and I'll say this and I mean, no offense when I say it, you have been around the traps for quite some time. <laughs> so, yes, yes, yes. And not only playing in bands and you support some really, really great bands over the years, like going right back to the early nineties and, mm-hmm. you know, in more recent years. And then also, as you mentioned before, being a roadie and doing like a lot of, a lot of work for some amazing artists. And then also being a tour promoter as well. You've, mm-hmm. you've had so much exposure to what, I would call greatness, you know, really amazing people, people that have done a lot of great things. Has there been, have there been people or has there been a particular person over the years that's really sort of, I don't know, schooled you in a way that you've sort of learnt, learnt the ropes along the way or learnt how to, how to hold yourself or how to be a musician or how to be, I don't know, somebody in, in music. Is there, has there been ever an influence along the way that sort of just opened your eyes up and gone, wow, like that's, you know, that's something I need to take into account or something to think about. Um, oh, it's been a couple, I guess. Like, I mean, one thing that I have now have ammunition in my pocket that if I'm ever doing a local gig, local bands, if there's any attitude, it's it's like, well, look, when we did Nuclear Assault last year, you know, Nick Barker, you know, the drum drumming gods, you know, mm. Cradle of Filth, going to be a testament, like locked out. Where, where do you where do you stop Brigeria? You know, yeah, set up his own kit, packed it down. Um, you know. John Connolly, the singer from Nuclear Assault, pushed all his own cases on stage, cracked all the lids, set up his own stack, packed it down at the end of the night. You know what I mean? This is these are icons that could have just sat on their ass and clicked their fingers, and anyone would have done it for them. They're like, no, 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 like you know, we do it ourselves. It's like, okay, so if we so when I see a local band going, why is my amp set up yet? It's like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> 
you know, so that, that and, and even like, uh, uh, did, like I know people might laugh at it, but it's the, the Pink Floyd tribute band, like Pink Floyd oh, yeah, Experience yeah, or something. But, but they're, they're huge. They're, they yeah. sell out Luna Park and stuff. They set up all their own gear. Um, working for Exodus and Fear Factory on a tour. And, you know, they used to hang their own backdrop up and set up their own stuff. And it's just, you know, people that have made it and can easily get someone to work for them. And there's actually people already hired to work for them still do it themselves, you know, after all this time. And, you know, they're of a certain age and they're probably, you know, a bit tired, but they still do it themselves kind of thing. So that that's always just stuck with me that, you know, Look, if you're just playing at the Lewisham or the Stag, set your own gear up and unpack it, you know, or pack it back up, you know. Um, and, what, what and, just, you, and just really quickly on that, like, what do you mm. think, like, some of those guys would not hesitate in just doing it themselves if they've, especially, like, I don't know, just using the Exodus comment, you know, there, there would be guys that would be hired to be able to help them out doing those things. But what do you think, yeah. that, what do you think that, it, I mean, what do you potentially think that, um, the reason why they they just don't hesitate and do it themselves. I, I, look, maybe it's because they're all you know hitting their early fifties and stuff, and they're enjoying just getting back into it or mm. something. You know, I, I don't know. You know, it's you know they probably didn't do it in their thirties and stuff, but maybe they're just you know more appreciative of being there, which is what a lot of younger bands maybe aren't, or local bands aren't appreciative of actually being there. Yeah. Like, I mean, you'd know the Desecrator guys, like yeah. they. They are the hardest working. Like we did the Venom tour with them last year, right? It was six shows. They drove, like drove show to show, like drove from Melbourne to Sydney, <laughs> then drove from Sydney to Brisbane, like overnight, right? They set up everything for Venom and themselves, packed it down, then drove to Adelaide. Like we're talking, you know, 15-hour drives and stuff to get to the next show, to work, set their own gear up, you know, and just and ask for naught kind of thing. Just Man, and you know, knowing, knowing Riley – I reckon he would have deliberately picked the road option just for the extra bit of adversity. So not only yeah. does he have a great <laughs> a great story, but he can just totally immerse himself in the atmosphere of just being on the road and just living it. Oh rough. yeah, he, I mean it's just yeah. so his style and that band style. And I guess that's what makes that band so special. And and yeah. they they are what they are because of it. But um, it's no surprise when you say that. Yeah, but, but but that work ethic. Yeah. Look what happens. Like they, Venom chose them to be their support. Yeah. Oh, Venom Inc. Sorry, Kronos. Venom Inc. It's fucking. <laughs> it's, it's fucking Venom. It's Mantis and Abaddon. Um. So and Tony Dolan. But yeah. it's like um. You know, they requested them because when they toured Europe with Venom Inc. They were, Venom Inc. were going to pull out of the tour because they weren't hired roadies and stuff. So Riley and they all stepped up and said, "Look, we will do everything for you for the next month." And so they requested them in Australia. And now they're obviously going to tour soon and they're going to request them overseas you know that's that's what happens like you know if they would have just turned up and not done anything they wouldn't have got requested you know it's, it's no matter how good the band is it's that <laughs> reputation isn't it i mean it's it's yes, totally it's just you know it especially in in this kind of world where you know there's no real qualification to do anything you know you don't get a certificate and, and there's only certain mm. people that are allowed to do certain types of jobs it's basically whoever's got the the biggest mouth and the biggest wallet um, is able to sort of run run things. Um, and so it's very hard to navigate through a lot of the crap out there. And obviously yeah. the people that do the right thing have the longevity and they stick around for the long term. But, um, yeah. you know, it's sometimes... It goes, it, back to that, goes back to that word I said before, networking. It yeah, actually does. Yeah, absolutely. It, 100%. <laughs> you know? And it's, 
you know, sometimes the people that are reliable and go above and beyond, they're the ones that stand out like a sore thumb because sometimes it's just, it's really, really hard. You've got so many people out there that are just full of shit or just very lazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all, um, you know, reputation and, and ethic, you know, it's got a lot to do with it. Like we, you know, there's, there's promoters out there that would and have offered the bands we've toured more money and stuff, but they come to us because we've, got a relationship with them you know we, we we treat them well they leave here feeling really good you know it's not always about the, the money or um exposure or i mean exposure is good it, it's it's about you know wanting to feel safe and being in a surrounding that you know is is a good surrounding if that makes any sense well, de- yeah, I, I think so. And I, it's it's a case where I think people are starting to think a little bit more long-term as well. It's like, well, you know, can we make this good and reliable that we can come back again in the future? So we're not just thinking about where, where's the best way to milk this opportunity and absolutely just yeah. go, go hard and not worry about whether we come back or not. It's like, you know, we want this to continue and we can see, you know, things happening in the future. So what can we do to to set ourselves up in the right way that we've got that longevity there. Yeah. Like you, you'll see, we are announcing a couple of bands by the time this is out, that would have already been announced, but um, you'll go oh shit. Hardline media got them. The reason we've got them is because the bands we've recently toured have gone back and told them about us, you know, word of mouth networking. And these people are reliable. And I guarantee they're going to say, can you choose these same support bands they had because they helped us as well. They did that, you know, that's, you know, that that's how it works, I guess. And definitely, especially if, um, and I guess with some of these guys, you know, they, they work on similar booking rosters or, you know, uh, different agents that, um, you know, they'll have a number of bands under their umbrella. So if you, yeah. if they go back and they tell, you know, their agent that, um, you know, everything was above board and, and they got paid and they were looked after, then, you know, obviously then that opens up, opens up those, uh, future opportunities where, oh, well, actually we've got another three or four bands that probably, a, a, a trip out. So let's see whether there's a possibility there. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, you were going to mention a couple of other examples of some of the other people that you've uh, sort of come across in, in the past. Um, uh, let me think. Uh, Gilby Clark. That That's one. Like Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know he's not Izzy Stradlin. I hate this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> no, no, not you. I mean, just other people. It's like, yeah, you know, people go, no, he was only in it for six months. No, he was in it for four or five years. He did the entire Use Your Illusion double album tour. Like, you know, he's, he's a member. Yeah. You know, he's seen he's seen some things, let's say, you know. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> um, just being with him and just seeing how humble he is, mm. like, just, just so nice to everyone, like, so personable and nice and, yes, photos and autographs. Like, literally at the airport, security from the – you know, the baggage coming out and getting photos with him just, and just the whole time, never once bit of attitude, even if we knew he was might be hung over or had the shits or something, just never, ever anything, but, you know, manners and being polite and just, you know, um, if there was any problems, it's just like, just, just tell me the problems, you know, if there's any problems, sweet, just tell me, we talk about them. There's just, was never any, for someone who's done as much as he has, there was just zero attitude. It's like, yes, that's what it's about. Whereas other bands like you've done, bugger all and you're a prick <laughs> you know i know you've got a seven inch single out on some underground german label or something but that means shit you know it's it's kind of yeah so i guess just just always try and be nice like even if you've you know you've had a 
well, that's just a general life thing. If you had a bad day, don't be a prick to anyone, but especially not in the industry kind of things. You never know who you're talking to. Oh, you know? That's it. That stuff comes back tenfold. It, one, even yeah. if it doesn't happen instantly, it comes back one way or the other. And sometimes you don't even understand why, yeah. like how it comes back. You know, something happens and you disadvantage and you don't even understand that it was something that you did a long time ago. Yeah, totally. That, yeah, that yeah. comes back and bites you on the ass. But, uh, I mean, do you think that with some of these guys, especially some of these musicians that have been around the traps for so long, they've seen so much and they've, they've done, they probably had these amazing successful shows and then probably had absolute fucking shit house of like a shit house of a show or mm. shows along the way that I guess that humble approach and having that longevity in the, and the experience out there would probably help them, I guess, manage themselves better because they've seen it all to a degree. Whereas some of these other mm. guys who have done fuck all, um, are a little bit high and mighty and high maintenance and hard to deal with because they just they just haven't seen it like they just haven't they haven't experienced all that there's to experience yet and so they yeah. haven't they haven't yeah. had the adversity yet to really sort of appreciate what they've actually got. Yeah, like we, everyone takes a fall no matter where you are in your career. Everyone's had a, like you know all the, all our idols that they've all had falls and you know <laughs> like you know punches to their ego and. Yep, being whatever told, you know. They being yeah, told on a plane that they're not Metallica, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like fuck, you know, especially <laughs> with, with an Adelaide crowd, like you know. So it's just like yeah, it's just like um, yeah, it's yeah. With Hardline, if so just for, with I guess with the timeline of events, what what came first? Was it was it so the merch aspect of it all, or was it the touring aspect? And like, where did was there an idea that sort of sparked or did somebody come up to you and say, Hey, you know, you should do this. What, how, how did all this manifest? Um, I guess it, started, it was like when Kill Razor was starting, mm. just wanting to get merch. My brother worked for a merch company. You know, he was like a t-shirt printer and I just could, like I knew how much shirts cost to get printed and you'd see, you know, I went searching online to find t-shirt printing. Like really, it doesn't cost that much. You just rip and like you're totally overcharging kind of thing. And, Bands don't know where to look, so they're there going and getting stuff done and just paying. Like you know, you, you Lord of Merch Kings, you you have some great merch. Like you, you'd know this. Like bands that don't know will go, oh yeah, we can get shirts and they cost this much. And like people like you and me would go, man, you're getting ripped off. Like you mm. can actually get it done cheaper like that. So it sort of started like that, just trying to get banned for for kill, like merch for Killraiser kind of thing. Um, and then kind of not wanting to share it with anyone because <laughs> we wanted to have the best merch. Like, yeah, you know? that's right. But then um. Yeah, just sort of start to think, well, it could actually be a business, you know, like just doing the highest quality merch you can for, you know, a decent price and 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 being a metalhead too, being able to cater for the metal bands because a lot of these metal bands will go to a T-shirt company and they know nothing about, you know, metal designs, you know, so they, they, they don't know how to work with the bands, whereas we can go, you know, well, we know because we're metalheads. We know what the artwork's going to look like. If they say it's going to be a seven-color wary thing with flames, it's like we get it, you know. Um, so that that's that's just started like that way to sort, you know, just try and get some extra income and maybe you know make a business out of it. But then the the touring side started as well, and then it just kind of combined itself to to become one kind of thing. Um, and the touring thing started by a complete accident. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A weird thing that um, when MySpace was still around and you used to spread your ads to other bands' pages and stuff, remember oh, yeah. MySpace? Yeah, jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, flash in the pan. And, 
Yeah, and I, I put one on Paul Diano's page, you know, just advertising the band, and their manager wrote to me in very unkind words, sort of like, you know, get effed, who are you? How dare you? You know, <laughs> and I'm like, I'd had a few beers, and I, I just thought, you know what? Just write back, just like, oh, sorry, mate, I'm really sorry about that, but I'm a big, big fan. Like, how come he's never toured Australia, you know? Woke up the next day, and there was an agreement in my email box. You want to tour Australia? This is what needs to happen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I've never done this before. So I spoke to a couple of friends, raised the money and did it. And it was a you know, big success and learnt a lot. So we did it again the next year. Then, you know, did um, the same thing with Rip Rowans, just bringing the person out and having us as the backing band and just kind of learnt through those tours. And, um, you know, obviously we're putting down merch for those things. And as we're touring, we're getting support bands to do their merch for us. And it just kind of built up like that. Um, but never was a full-time job or anything. It was just a lot of time with little money. But, you know, we're metalheads. That's what we do. But I guess in the last few years, it's, it's turned into maybe into something a lot more serious. Well, you know, yeah. Not just, not just a hobby. Well, I was looking on the website, and so you can see, like, the first year, the next year, the year after that, and it's just, like, it just, it's growing and growing every year. And, and already yeah. this year, the amount of tours that, that you've done, um, yep. you, geez, I mean, you, you're not slowing down. It seems no. to just keep, keep <laughs> ramping up. And I'm like, oh, geez, you know, you've got a lot on your plate. So, I mean, it's fantastic. Mm. It, it's great for it's great for the punter out there who, you know, and especially for the bands that, that you've been bringing out are bands that people just never expected that they'd ever get to see. You know, you'd have to travel overseas to see these bands if you're ever going to. And yeah. a lot, of, a well, lot we, of people just never, never get, you know, never, never make it happen. Yeah, we, we, we've always looked at um, it being a, a from a fan aspect, not not a monetary thing. It's like a, of course you have got to think of money because you don't mm. like you know. Oh, let's just where's the toilet? Let's flush that. You know, you want to <laughs> you want to make something of it so you can do the next one. Um, but yeah, we. I mean, it. I mean, it started to get serious with Coroner. I guess that's when it's like you know because the first four tours were as I said, Portiano, Blaze Bailey, Riff Rollins. It was more of a thing to help Cool Razor in a way too because we were the backup band kind of yeah. thing. And then after the last, last two tours we got the guys from Darker Half to help out and Hazmat as well. Um, but yeah, for it to become its own entity was kind of the, the Coroner tour was the first one but then we did nothing for three years. Um, and then then we launched it with Nuclear Assault last year then then, then Entombed and Gilby Clark then Venom then Destruction then Sabbath then Pain then um, Therion we got on sale um, in September. And we're announcing two more next week, but the ones we announce, you'll see again, are specialty kind of acts that haven't really, you know, not oh. not just a, a bandwagon jumping thing. You, you'll you'll see them. Oh come on, spill it, <laughs> spill it. It's only me. I'm a vault. <laughs> Nobody's listening. <laughs> That's all right. I won't put pressure on you. Um, but one thing that I was going to ask is. You know that okay. So I didn't actually know. I mean, I knew that Paul Diana was the first first one that you you were involved with and, and got up and running. But I didn't know that yep. story about you know, MySpace of all places. Um, yeah, yeah, which is kind of kind of funny and, and cool as well. But you know that first tour. What what were some of the big takeaways or lessons that you learned from that first one? Um, it's not a party. Don't drink every night. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> like you know. I was a co-tour manager and hired someone to be a tour manager who'd actually done it many times before. Yeah. And I was also in the band. Mm. Um, and, you know, just going, oh, yeah, eight shows in a row, that's fine. Like, you can't you, you can't do that. You just can't. <laughs> it's just not physically and mentally viable. You can't be trying to run the entire operation 
and be in the band and, you know, do just everything at once while you're just, you know, partying like everyone else is. You really got to, and it's hard to when you first start doing it because you want to. Hmm. You cross your backstage and everything's for free. It's as much <laughs> beer and Jack Daniels as you want. It's free. And so, you, of course, you want to do it. But <laughs> I did learn wait till you have the days off and learn how to stash all that stuff to take home. Yeah. <laughs> good man, good man. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Every exactly. time, oh, man, I hate the ones in Sydney where, you know, I just, I pull the short straw and I'm driving and yeah. and they rock up. And I think the last the last one we did was Dragon Force at the Manning Bar. And yeah, they, right. they brought out, a, they brought out a, a crate of little creatures and I just went, oh, you beauty. And then I thought, oh, shit, I'm driving. And I thought, yeah. oh, man, how do I get these home? And... <laughs> And I was the only one in the band that was drinking. Mark doesn't yeah. drink anymore, and yeah. uh, Tim doesn't drink beer. And then our drummer was driving, and he wasn't. I think he may have had one beer, and that was it. And so here I'm, just like glazing over, looking at these beers, going, "Oh, oh, there's a whole carton of little creatures here. Oh, this is amazing." And then I just thought, "Oh man, this is that'd be right." Like the the night. But then you know, obviously, if you know, I wasn't driving, then I yeah, dare yeah, yeah. say that my uh, performance may not have been as on the money as. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you got to just, and you got to think, yeah, I mean, there's that aspect of it, but I guess like a, um, like a learning curve was too, just like, yeah, not everyone's going to come to every show. I mean, mm. you know, we, we had um, uh, on that tour, one show that was sold out with like, you know, I think it was 120 people still trying to get in, get in outside. Wow. And then the next night we had 28 people, you know. <laughs> so it's like, you, you know, if you, go, you can't just go, oh, yeah, let's just do, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You, you've really got to, you know, think about it. And, you know, not everyone's always going to come to a show. And that's something I learned too. It's not just going, oh, let's, let's bring a band out and do 10 shows. Like, no, just just do three, four. You know, you've got to, got to look at it seriously not just as an ego thing or something, you know, to hang out with your favourite band or something. Um, I mean, you know, you've done it plenty of times yourself. Like, mm. you go on tour. Like, it's – yeah. I, I, that's one thing I learned is just don't just – don't saturate, you know, because not everyone's going to come all the time. And if, if everyone's saturating, it's just not going to work. It's oh. going to start going downhill in a way, you know. Yeah. And it's becoming saturated now as it is. There's just so many bands coming out. Well, so, and I think there's going to be plenty more. I mean, tail end of the year yeah. is getting getting pretty crazy. And I mean, it's look, it's great for a, from a punter point of view because you you do have that choice. And I remember years ago, you know, you'd be in Europe and you're talking to somebody like you know a local German or something like that, mm. and they they're like, oh yeah, like uh, Blind Guardian played last night, and Megadeth are playing you know tomorrow night, and and then next week, um, yeah, Creator's going to be playing, and yeah, whatever. And they're just so blase. Yeah. And, and at the time, you're like. Oh my God, you live in heavy metal heaven. Like this is, this yeah, is yeah, incredible. Yeah. And this is before, you know, the, the, the floodgates broke open here in Australia, but now it's getting to that point where people do have that selection and you've got bands that are now getting to that point where they're returning. And so they're coming yep. back for, for tour number two, number three, number four. And so you do have, you know, fans out there now that, um, that aren't as, Oh, I'm trying to think. Of that. I wasn't. I was going to use the word excited, but it's not. That's not the right word. But they're not as hungry as they were before. Obviously, for the yeah. band that's never been out before, it's a different story. But because we're used to the concept of knowing that band, a lot of bands come out here now. It's it. 
that that novelty aspect's worn off a little bit. So now it's it's a different game. It's a different game to what it used to be, and um, yeah, and it's still great. I mean, it's it's a, it's a good problem to have, but um, yeah, there's definitely different types of challenges now. Especially for the local scene, like how do you how how do you put a gig on in December when you don't know what international is going to be announced? You know, and like. And as you were saying too, like the saturation, um, like and the the choice, like I remember, as you probably do too, like early mid nineties, like there used to be one heavy band maybe a year, mm-hmm. like it'd be Sepultura, you know, and then six months later it'd be Deicide, and Sepultura would sell out the Horton Pavilion, like six thousand people, yeah, you know, because ev- everyone would go, you know, and then Deicide, like I'm not really a Deicide fan, but I went. I'm not really a Cannibal Corpse fan, but I went because it was the only show within that six month period. But now it's like if the DSL or Cannibal Course come out, I probably wouldn't go because I'm not a massive fan. Like, hey, they're better than 50 Cent, but I'm not a massive fan. <laughs> I, I'd probably go see another band, you know, but it, yeah, I, it's, I, I've never understood, like, as you were saying, like in, in Europe, like if, if they're playing every night and there's probably 10 gigs every night, where's the crowd coming from? It's like, it's just, it must just be, um, well, it's probably, I don't know. It's probably a population thing. And I think, you know, maybe to a degree and I know it's changing here a bit but you know I guess metal in general is far more accepted and it's a lot more mainstream than it is here in Australia but I think the population probably um, allows people to be yeah, able to, to siphon out the crowd a bit and you'll have you'll have the the elitists that only like power metal and they'll never they'll never be caught dead at a at a creator show yeah. and, and and vice versa <laughs> you know and so they probably can afford to do that but I remember seeing um yeah, we were, oh, we had an off day somewhere in Europe, and and we saw Metal Church play on a Monday night in Munich, I think, and it was out in an industrial industrial area, and it was the tiniest of shows. It was it was yeah. just, it was like it was like the Lewisham, and and there was about thirty, maybe forty people there, <laughs> and yeah. and I just remember standing there going, oh my god, like. Yeah, you know, I, I can't. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I couldn't rem- like this is this is one of those bands, one of those bands that you know I had a poster of. I had their CDs. Yeah, yeah. And they're playing this little dive, and nobody gives a fuck. So I think there's still plenty of that happening in Europe, where you know yeah. if they're not being booked properly and or they're not you know being considerate of of what else is going on at the time, then they they're gonna they can still be dead them. shows. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But I guess you know there's probably more of an opportunity that uh, you're going to have better ones rather than, than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think the other thing you said before about saturation, I think, I mean, we yeah, we've we've done the same thing. You know, you, you get excited about what the tour post is going to look like. You want to show how many dates you've got. You want it to look impressive. You want people to, on, yeah. that, on that first announcement, they go, wow. And then, and so you want to ride that wave of acknowledgement and attention and everything that you get. And it looks, it looks great. But then, I tell you what, when that tour kicks off and you you end up in bloody Wyong <laughs> or I don't know, like Broken Hill or something like that, and it's just this dismal turnout, and you just go, "Oh, fuck it, yeah, we, yeah. Are, we are never playing here again." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah. you, you do it you you do it in advance, and you think that everything's going to be okay, and you, it's just it's just the excitement and the enthusiasm of it. But we know now, and you know, I guess life changes as everyone gets older and different priorities and we've got to be a little bit more responsible than what we have in the past. So we have to be very careful about when we do play. But we know now that, you know, instead of doing, you know, 
40 dates for the whole year of Australian shows, we will just cull that down to about maybe 10 for the whole year. If, you know, yeah. if we're, if we're, if we've got an album to push and we'll concentrate that over a couple of weekends, you know, instead of like just doing one a month or something like that, we'll, we'll just smash out a tour, make it really concise yeah. so you can offset everything, you know, keep the costs as low as possible. And then you just get back to doing whatever you're doing back home and, and, you know, promote from know, afar like, and that's it. Exactly. When, when, like when we're all early twenties, like, you know, you, you give your left nut to play every weekend, regardless of how many people are around, because it was, you know, that fire and passion, which we all still have. But as you said, there's responsibilities now. <laughs> oh, <that's it. laughs> it's like I'm not, not 18 anymore. It's like you got to, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, let's go to Europe. Okay, cool. Who's paying for it? You know, <laughs> Where, where's the 30 grand coming from? Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's like it, we all want to do it, but it's like, you, you know, it's, 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 it's not cheap. It doesn't just get handed to you. You're right. And, I mean, in the past, you know, you would just go, well, I'll I'll take out a loan. I'll get a credit card, you know. And you'll yeah, make you don't these, care. It's like, yeah, oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll cop it later. I don't give a shit. And then you come home yeah. and you cry because you're just, like, you're in financial ruin for the next, like, five years or whatever it is. But it doesn't, exactly. it doesn't matter, you know. And then, yeah. and then as you, as we said, you know, you, you, get res, you get responsibilities and different things along the way. And then suddenly, you know, oh, I can't, I can't max out my credit card anymore. Like, and so, but it's, <laughs> yeah. the positive with it all is that, you start to actually use your head instead of your gut yeah. and you start to calculate things a lot more and you get far more savvy with what the best opportunities to take advantage of things and how to really sort of maximize the time that you do have. And so, you know, financially we've been in, I don't think we've been in a better position for a long time because we've just, yeah. we've just held back a little bit and we've, we've done the right thing and we haven't just sort of thrown money down the drain and, even just silly little things like when you go on tour, you know, the time of day that you book flights and everyone, we used to, yeah. I mean, especially we were doing it at strange shows, we'd book like the, the late Arvo flight the following day. So what are you going to do the next day after a show? Well, you're going to drink and you're going to sit around all day and then you're probably going to miss your flight anyway, which is going to cost yeah. you more money. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, take that red eye, get home, you know, and recover at home and stop spending money. And it was just like yeah, silly, yeah. silly little things like that, that you just when And look, if anything, it's probably great that, you know, at least from my perspective, I got to experience a lot of that stuff because they're great stories, great memories, but it's not sustainable and it's not for the long term. And after a while you have to sort of go, all right, well, that chapter's done. Uh, yeah. what's, what's, uh, what's, what's the more sort of quieter approach that I can take now a little bit more, yeah, yeah. you know, not boring, but, um, yeah, just uh, a little bit more conservative as far as the approach, but you can, you can achieve a lot more when you start to really tweak those things and, and make some better oh, I'm decisions. Hearing you. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Hearing you. Yeah. Oh, man. So, okay. So Kill Razor album's coming out at the end of September or towards the uh, end it'll, of September. It'll be, it'll be out. Yeah. Before, <sighs> Before October, as I said, we're finishing off the final. Uh, it's this intro we've been doing. It's been the bane of our existence. But um, yeah, ne ne never record anything and just give it to someone to mix. Always try and be there. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, like, that's good, all I can say. Good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm fixing um, <laughs> that off. Uh, actually, it's next next Saturday. So, yeah, um, and then it's done. Like the the, the, the cover art's done. We're just going to do all the, like the liner notes and all that kind of stuff, which is going to be weird because it's a different lineup on it than it is now. And whose photos you put on that kind of you know stuff, but yeah, it's it's after this intro is done, the whole the rest of the album's mastered and mixed. So it's just this little intro, then the, the printing and pressing, and you know, try and get some distro done, which we've kind of already got lined up. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, take it from there. Very good. Well, that'll that'll be out hopefully by the time 
people listen to out. this. Yep. And yep. Um, you'll have tracks to play and everything. It'd absolutely, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> and um, I'll I'll have one more stab. Do you want to do you want to give me a little hint or even just a an inkling of uh, potentially what will be um, out and announced as far as that next uh, hardline tour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or don't don't even give me a name. Just give me a hint. Just give me give me something to to I don't know to to bite on. Uh... <laughs> go back to my quotes. All right. Okay. All right. Done. I'll go yeah. back and listen to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, everyone will know by the time by the time this comes out, I'm going to sit here and wait for the announcement and be very patient and listen back to myself talking to you. And, yeah, you're uh, going, which quote are you talking about? Damn it! I just I'm going to transcribe this entire podcast and listen to it and then start siphoning through everything. Now, what Doug? What did Doug mean by that? Oh, oh maybe he meant something else. I'll start de- developing a complex from this conversation. Anyway, yeah. all good, man. All good, man. Exciting time and. Um, I'm looking forward to to seeing Killraiser back out there with a awesome. with an album, and um, happy to support. And um, been really good talking to you, man. It's been a long time since we've spoken, and um, I yeah, think it's yeah. probably the first time in. Well, I don't know. I think it's probably one of the first times that we've spoken where um, you know we're sober as well, probably, or at least I am. Well, yeah, so. I mean, we, we had a few few, few meetings for <laughs> <laughs> a few beers before, but yeah, yeah that's right. That's uh, good. I'm looking forward to hearing the Lord album too. That, that sounds very exciting. What you were talking about, so that's that's cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that one out. It's been a been a while coming as well. So yeah. let's line up some crossover shows. You know, power hey, metal, death metal. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not opposed to that. All right, we'll yeah. talk. All right, man. All right. It's Enjoy, enjoy your weekend, and we'll, we'll chat soon. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Doug Dalton. If you want to reach out to Doug, you can do so via the Killraiser website or the Hardline Media website. Uh, so that's killraiser.com or hardlinemedia.net. Um, you can find all that stuff on social media as well. What I'll do, you know. You know what I'm going to say. You know it. Go to the show notes over at andysocial.net. I'll have everything, all the social media pages, the main websites, uh, videos, music, links, photos, everything will be in the show notes over at andysocial.net. So make sure you go over there, check it out, spread it around, pass it on to people that might enjoy Killraiser's music or want to learn about some of the upcoming tours through Hardline Media or anybody that's looking for some merchandise to be printed as well. There's heaps of different things. So spread the word, go and check out the show notes and utilize those resources and make sure you reach out to Doug as well if you enjoyed the chat and let him know that, uh, that you think he's all right. So thanks, Doug. Really appreciate uh, the time and looking forward to catching up sometime in the future. Before we wrap it up, we have one show left for 2018 for Lord. If you want to check us out in Sydney, we are playing Saturday, November 3rd at the Bullface Stag in Sydney for the Steel Assassins Festival, which is day two. We're headlining day two. Day one is being headlined by Hobbs Angel of Death. So for anybody that's been listening to the podcast for a while, um, I had Peter Hobbs from Hobbs, Hobbs Angel of Death. Spit it out on the podcast um, several weeks ago or a few months ago now, and uh, you can go over and check that out. But if you want to get tickets for that show, um, and please buy in advance, if you've got the opportunity to buy tickets in advance, it helps a lot. I can't harp on that enough. It it guarantees, it secures money. It helps with the venue. It helps with the promoter, Dave Balfour, who's the promoter for Steel Assassins, who's been on the podcast as well. It helps him. Um, it helps the bands involved as well, such as myself and Lord and every other band on that bill um, by purchasing tickets up front. And it's just less 
hassle that you could worry about on the day. I mean, focus those dollars on beers and food and merchandise and all that great stuff on the day. Don't worry about buying something at the door, like a ticket at the door. Don't worry about that. Get it in advance. Get it right now. So go over to lord.net.au um, or andysocial.net. Click on the Shows tab on either one of those websites, or you can go to Mosh Ticks as well, and there's ticket options there for either day one or day two or both, as I would recommend. Before we wrap it up, as always, thank you so much for supporting the podcast, um, buying merchandise, uh, giving reviews all over the internet, uh, spreading the word, giving me guest suggestions. Um, it all means a hell of a lot. People that are following the podcast on Spotify as well, appreciate it. It's so cool to be on Spotify now. Um, all these things go a hell of a long way. It means a hell of a lot to me. Blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. I'm going to wrap it up. Until next week, folks, take care. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ta, ta. Larry. Larry, please.